Good morning and welcome once again. It is Sunday morning. It is February 19th and welcome once again to The Formula. We're talking about accountability and responsibility. Hey, if you were with us last week, then you heard that interview um, with this remarkable woman who um, has an amazing journey in her life. And uh, this is part two of that interview and I hope you enjoy it. I mean, I'm just a, a, a independent person now, you know, and and moving forward and, and really some, I think, amazing ways. <laughs> I mean, your life kind of takes on a whole new structure, a whole new, you know, um, a whole new reality, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're, right. we're, we're able to see things through clear eyes. And yeah. we're no longer emotionally um, deluding ourselves. We're not in the fog of fog of war, of a sense of uh, right. you know societal pressures. Because right. uh, in many ways, you know, society wants to pressure us to conform mm-hmm. in so many you ways. Know, and that brings another point that um, that I had mentioned to you before it was actually in text last week regarding this guilt stuff, right? Being a victim can ignite a lot of guilt-ridden feelings, not being good enough or whatever, right? But when you take responsibility and you are you account for your choices, there's no need for any of that BS. Right? You know, it's just, it's just gone. You know, it's just not there. It's it's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing because um and and that's that'll heck that guilt stuff will give you cancer for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. It's it's quite yeah. interesting that quite often people really don't they don't see cancer as a holistic impact right. on their life. They see it as Oh, you know, there's there's some genetic thing going on, so yeah. that must be what this is. And they're not really looking at it that the whole life is what helped to contribute and metastasize. Yeah. The, yeah. A life of compromise, a life yeah. of self-inflicted victimization, a life of not taking accountability for your choices, mm-hmm. you know, and, and constantly seeing yourself as life is happening to you instead of because of you. Mm-hmm. So I, one of my questions is, you know, when you apply the foundations of accountability, owning your choices and that ability to respond to those choices, how did that play? And, and it does today because once a parent, always a parent. How, does the, how did that play into your role as a parent? And what did, how did you shift uh, for your daughter to be able to see a different path for herself? Um, well, as I mentioned, is that I knew that I had to be independent and not dependent on others, tax, tax, hard tax dollars. Right, right. <laughs> that, that, that was a big, a, I think, a big deal there. And the other part of that was re- in, in relationships. I wasn't, um, I, I was not, in fact, after that, after I ended that one relationship, I made a I made a choice not to be in one. I would not be in a relationship until she was older because I did not want any interference between her and our, our relationship. And um, and I felt that because of my un- unhealthy choices prior, that you know I I could have done some damage, right? And so I did not I didn't want any chance of that happening. 
and I really wanted to repair that. So I wanted her to see me as someone that that made choices with integrity. I was taking care of myself. Um, I would work hard, and I work hard, whether it was, one thing I haven't mentioned yet was my aviation career, and I'll talk about that in a second. But she saw me graduate. She saw me do pilot training. She saw me pursue a life of independence and a full a full life, happy life. And she's seen that with me. And I think that has, I think it's made a difference in her life. Now, granted, <laughs> when she was a teenager, she, she did try to guilt trip me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it's kind, of their, it's, it's kind of their job as a teenager, yes, right? <laughs> it is. But, you know, I, I wouldn't buy it. I'm going, hey, how, how many years have you had of your mother making healthy, smart choices of integrity here? So you can just shut that down now. <laughs> well, and it's kind of, you know, you bring up a really good point. And for people that are listening that have kids um, that, you know, might be younger, teenagers, and even older adults, um, mm-hmm. you know, when when kids start to go down that path, uh, it's an interesting question to be asking them is, what is your motivation? What is your self-interest in bringing this up? Mm-hmm. Because the chances are is that they are victimizing themselves yeah. with, with whatever happened to them. You know, what happens to us, you know, tells a story about other people and situations, but how we deal with it tells a story of us. Mm-hmm. And yep. are we a victim to everything or are we a hero to our lives? Because we look at it and we say, okay, that happened, but here's what I did in the face of it. Here's mm-hmm. where I took accountability, responsibility for my own life. Not unlike what you just described as far as being excommunicated from the church. Here's uh-huh. how I had my life going, and here's what I decided to do. I became a hero to my own life, uh-huh. you know, by taking accountability, being responsible, paying attention to my choices, and, you know, having the conscious life, which a lot of people do not have, you know. Right, and you know, that's... Being conscious, so conscious of that is, it's it's actually, it can be terrifying. <laughs> sometimes, sure. Sometimes, but it it's clear. It's very, it makes things so much more clear. And uh, I just thought of something. I don't, I hope it's okay to sort of backtrack a little sure. bit. Sure. Being raised the way I was, I remember... Uh, being taught to to you know go door to door and to do all these ritual rituals, I guess you could say. But I never I never liked it. But I couldn't say it. Right? Hmm. I couldn't say. I mean, I'm talking as little as four and five years old. I remember not wanting to do this. Right? And we're pushed to do this stuff. That's I I, knew, I just didn't like it. Right? And um, I, and that's what. Um, and another thing, another time is that in 1988, this is just a couple of years, oh, 10 years or so before I got excommunicated. Um, I had a, a, a tragedy in my family and my aunt passed away because she had placenta previa and uh, she bled to death. And, she, and in my mind, she was one of the best people in the world, devout Christian, devout 
I mean, she was just a really, really wonderful person, neighbor, all that stuff, right? But how could this even happen? Da, 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 all this stuff. At that time, and I won't go into that story, then maybe that could be for another time, but on her life and how she lived, how she was really a victim. But what that affected me was it's that really started that little whisper in the ear. is like, it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Why? Why was she so good? Why And how could this happen, right? So the, the whole story about what they believe about um, God and death and all of that stuff, it just, none of it made sense, right? It just didn't make sense to me, but I couldn't say anything. And that, that's, it, that's as an adult, right? It was in my late 20s. So I guess you could say those whispers started coming then, you know, but I just couldn't, I kept suppressing it. Well, in so many different um, aspects of society, whether it's religion or other forms of yeah. groupthink, uh, really, they they look at suffering as a virtue. Yeah. And yes. they're not realizing that, uh, that when people have a thought process like that, and I don't mind calling out Jordan Peterson because, you know, he seems to think that there is some virtue in suffering. And that is just a bunch of uh, BS, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, is just have... not true. And uh, life will whisper in your ear. It will slap you across the face and knock you upside the head until you figure it out. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 get, I can't say, I mean, I've, I've only seen little clips here and there of him. But uh, so I've not heard that portion of his uh, philosophy but um, about suffering, I, you know, that's another thing too. Um, Dennis Prager, I think, has that line of thinking as well. Well, a lot of people do, and and yeah. and unfortunately, you know, and again, I don't mind calling it out, and saying what it right. is. The reality is reality, but a lot of religion does that, yes. and yes, in in order to get people, here we go again with control. In order to get people to do things, we. Mm-hmm we want to find ways to manipulate their emotions. And mm-hmm. if we tell people that, you know, suffering is, you know, it, it, that's the way, you know, your deity behaved. And, you know, so suffering is a good thing. And it brings you closer to your deity. It brings you closer to, you know, heaven or whatever it is you want to call yeah. it. I mean, it really starts to play with your mind. And, yeah. and what won't you do? in the name of your suffering and your virtue signaling and your attempts to be something in order to be favored when you die so that you get to go to the pearly gates. What won't you do? And uh, I think we've seen, you know, some people will fly planes into buildings and strap bombs onto themselves. Yeah. All in the name of their virtue signaling because, you know, they they believe that this suffering is what's going to take them where they want to be. Also part of image building, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, I've taken up about 30 minutes of your time here, and uh, I appreciate the fact that we've had a chance to talk, and uh, hopefully we get to do it again. But um, is there anything that you currently uh, are kind of working on for yourself and kind of applying these principles of accountability um, that, you know, come to mind right now that you're, you're either challenged by or you're enjoying the result of having, you know, had the realization for yourself? Well, I 
guess you can say that I just want to continue to be cognizant of all my choices. I want to I want to continue to just move towards a, a healthier space, a, a healthier space, or continue with that. Um, and I I just want to continue that. I guess you could say, yeah. I, I don't have anything specific that I can think of right now. I think for people like yourself and myself and people that are on this path um, that, you know, have had, you know, they've taken the red pill, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, they've opened up to the reality that everything is uh, is open to new information. Yeah, it sure is. You know, you mentioned that I think previously in a conversation we had that, you know, one of the things that helped you the most was information, information, information. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating that we are living in a world right now that is replete with information and we're observing people that are withholding information, mm-hmm. people that are lying about the information. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing to see that in this information age, how much the lack of or the overindulgence or the lying of information can really impact not just the individual but society and globally yeah yeah that's so true you know? it's um it, it's well what i realized well i've i've said this before is what i've realized i i've i left one cult <laughs> and i'm faced with a much bigger one right, <laughs> right. <laughs> essentially and i'm going oh my god and you don't I, I, I certainly didn't realize it and didn't realize it for a long time. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm expecting the zombie ap- apocalypse, you know. Right. <laughs> granted, you know, the word apocalypse does mean a revealing. So I find that to be quite interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in so many ways, we are living an apocalypse, you yeah. know, apocalypse right now. Uh, even, yeah. But I think so often we see it as you know, uh, death and destruction rather than, uh, you know, out of destruction comes creation. Yes, And instead of seeing it as a, a new world being created, not by a bunch of globalists, but by yeah. a, a bunch of freedom-loving people that, you know, are willing to take back their country, mm-hmm. their world, their life. Yes, yes. It has been a pleasure to, uh, to talk to you and to hear your story and to hear the application of principles for your life that have definitely put you on a different path. Um, and hopefully we will get a chance to do another interview. Um, I would love to ha- have an opportunity to kind of explore some more things and, you know, maybe even talk about how we came together and uh, uh, some of the political things uh, that we got yeah. ourselves into. Uh, yeah. Back when the Tea Party was going on, because I oh, think, yeah, uh, I love that. yeah, I think yeah. people would uh, benefit a lot from you know being able to hear real world, real life stories that you know help them to understand where they're at. I agree. I agree. I would love to talk again. Believe me, I've had people tell me that I I should uh, write a book. <laughs> you probably should. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going. Oh, I got too much to do. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, you know, a little bit each day gets it done. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to hear your story and the path that you're on right now. 
I'm only getting started. <laughs> you are indeed. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. And that's going to wrap it up again for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, click the like button and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you are so inclined. Visit me on any of the social media and reach out to me. If you're interested in being interviewed, I would love that. I think real-world examples really help people to uh, find their path. So have a great week.